1: This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more.
0: Hello, friends. I'm Effie Parks. And once a month, I release this extra special episode in a series I call A Rare Collection. It features a few people from the rare disease community, each telling a true story with the same theme. I'm super excited to present the 14th episode in this storytelling series. I've always been moved by storytelling, and I believe there is so much power in them for both the listener and the storyteller. I'm the luckiest podcaster ever in that this is what I get to do for fun, passion, and purpose. Today's episode features three genetic counselors in our rare disease world. The warm hugs, if you will. For today's theme, the show is I Will Never Forget. The storytellers have the utmost freedom to be creative and take the theme wherever their heart desires. Here's a story from Ellie Brimble, pretty much the most adorable and brilliant mind on the planet, working with Invitae and Citizen.
1: I have studied and worked in the rare disorder space for the past decade. As I would for anything Effie asks of me, I immediately said yes to speaking on this podcast. But since then, I've struggled to arrive at a true story to share. I think it's because in this community, I've always hung out in the background. As a researcher and genetic counselor, I've worked behind the scenes to support families in crafting their own stories. Although I can recall a thousand interactions that I can never forget, I question whether any are mine to share. These brief moments of fear, despair, conviction, and hope are intimate and precious. They change you and shape you When we leave each other, we leave our old selves behind. How can I speak candidly of something so private? And yet I've committed to sharing something, and for me, there's really only one story that makes sense to tell. A chance encounter that, unbeknownst to me, set me down a new path. I met Nasha Fitter in December of 2016. Her daughter had developed infantile spasms during a family vacation resulting in an emergent flight home and a hospitalization at Stanford. Although the response to treatment was immediate and all routine diagnostic testing returned normal, there was one last result that would take a few weeks to come back, the epilepsy gene panel, a test used to evaluate the coding sequence of tens to thousands of genes simultaneously. It's not uncommon for families who have genetic testing drawn during a hospital admission to forget, These are overwhelming and sleepless stretches of time where the unthinkable becomes reality. You leave and to cope with the trauma, you try to move on and forget. But the respite is brief. We call Nasha into clinic to share with her that her daughter's infantile spasms were caused by a change in one copy of her FOXG1 gene, a spelling error affecting a single genetic letter that also explains newly observed abnormal movements and suspected developmental delays. We sit together with the neurologist, an odd still life of little beauty. It's important to note that for a genetic counselor, knowledge represents power. We are compelled to share and educate to empower families to make informed decisions about their healthcare. So I hope you can imagine the anticipation I feel at this moment. There's an imbalance in power that feels unbearable. We know something that Nasha doesn't, and Nasha knows that we know something that she doesn't. In reflection, I wonder how Nasha experiences this dynamic. Does she feel dread, hope, maybe some combination of the two? With as much compassion as we can, we share the results of genetic testing, correcting this offense. Nasha didn't know it at the time, but this was actually the first positive result that I had ever shared. There are moments of this experience that will stay with me forever. I remember her hugging her daughter close to her, unconsciously kissing her forehead as though she could protect her from the diagnosis we'd just spoken into existence. I remember Nasha's husband who'd called in for the visit, telling her how much he loved her, offering support, encouragement, hope. It strikes me that this is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen, a pure and selfless act while the world implodes around us. I still think of this every time I see him, even after six years. Weeks later, Nasha and I would start a correspondence that ultimately crystallizes into a foundation dedicated to funding basic science and translational research for FOXG1 syndrome. Like so many rare disorder parents, I watch as Nasha rapidly becomes an expert in biology, clinical trial readiness, drug development, fundraising, and so much more. When an opportunity at a health tech startup appears that will allow us to apply what we've learned over the years to accelerate drug development for other rare disorders, we jump on it. Today, Nasha and I work as partners. She leads business development and I are clinical strategy championing the product we've built through this shared experience and all the ones that came after.
0: Here's a story from Kira Deanen, host of everyone's favorite science podcast, DNA Today. My name is Kira Deenan. I'm a genetic counselor and also a genetics
2: podcaster, just like Effie. I've hosted and produced DNA Today for a decade. And over the last 10 years, I've learned so much from patient advocates in the rare disease community. I recognize patient advocates as experts in the medical field, often knowing more than healthcare providers about rare conditions. So when I was a graduate student studying to become a genetic counselor a few years ago, I met a couple I will never forget that widened my perspective on rare diseases. So to set the scene, I was rotating again as a grad student and I was in a prenatal setting. So it was a genetic counseling session for a pregnant person and their partner. So for those that may not be aware, in genetic counseling, specifically in the prenatal space, The session is usually started by going through medical history for the pregnant person, going through if they've had a pregnancy history, and then focusing on family health history, which I'll be talking about here. And then we also go through like genetic testing options. So as we're going through the family health history, the mother of the baby brings up that she has a biological niece that has a rare disorder. And she describes her niece as a very happy little girl who doesn't really cause any trouble. She has intellectual disability. She doesn't have any other health implications. And she even mentions that other teenagers can be more work than her, just in terms of the typical troubles that teenagers will get into. And it was interesting because the father of the baby also had a very close relationship with his niece. So this was not his biological niece. He met this little girl through his wife. And it was just really interesting to hear him talk about... What a great addition to the family this niece is and just what an impact she has on the family in a very positive light. The mother of the baby brought up that she wanted to test the pregnancy for this rare condition that her niece has. And it was interesting that the father of the baby did not want to do testing during pregnancy. He said he would want to have a child with the same disorder. He loves his niece. And this was a big turning point for me as a student because I was talking to a person who had such a positive and rewarding relationship with someone with a rare disease. I mean, as I said, this girl brought in so much joy into, you know, her uncle's life, this father of the baby I was talking to, and he just talked about just how fantastic she was, and she just brings so much joy to the family. And the mother of the baby then also weighed in saying that her niece socially had a harder time compared to kids without her disorder or other rare diseases. So the couple certainly had different opinions in terms of what we were gonna do during this pregnancy, what testing we were or were not going to do. And at the same time, I found that it was so refreshing and amazing to see a couple process this information in such a supportive way. And they really had a supportive partnership where they had these different opinions, but they were able to process this during the genetic counseling session. And I also just found it impactful that here, you know, this this uncle is to his niece and just what a great relationship and just showing me pictures and and talking about different hobbies that she was interested in and just, just how much of a positive impact that this niece has on the family. And so I thought that was just really cool to see. Oftentimes, as many of us have heard, there are a lot of negative connotations with rare diseases, which I understand as many can be severe. There can be major health implications. However, I also want to see more celebration of rare diseases like this uncle shared with me. I'm really encouraged by hearing this from people that are in the rare disease community and also fellow genetic podcasts like Once Upon a Gene who are providing patient advocates with a voice to do
0: just that. Here's a story from Abby Turnwald, a fresh genetic counselor to the world who's worked closely with Angelman syndrome and helped create children's books for their
3: siblings. Can you think of a conversation you've never forgotten? I'm guessing for many of you, the conversation when you learned your child or your own rare disease diagnosis comes to mind. The words the physician or genetic counselor used, the way they describe the diagnosis, and their answers to your questions. For me, I'm that genetic counselor giving the never forgettable news. I'll never forget receiving the first positive test result during graduate school. Just as the parents, I really hoped the test would be negative. When I saw the positive results, my heart sank. I'll never forget slowly dialing your phone number, listening to the rings, and hoping you wouldn't answer because I didn't want to deliver the news. But then you answered. I slowly started talking, a speech that I spent hours toggling through in my mind. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a fast talker. So I practiced the speech multiple times to myself, my classmates, and anyone who listened because I wanted to make sure I had the words just right, the pacing just right, because the news I was about to give you, you would never forget. Some people would say that you're just talking. Why are you worried and what could go wrong? I understand where these people are coming from. No, I'm not performing a life-saving operation but I am giving life-altering, shocking news that's completely changing your life journey. And I learned in graduate school that when you give a diagnosis, families will remember the words you said forever. I started the conversation by asking, is now an okay time to talk? We were taught to always ask this question. However, I knew you'd say yes, even if it wasn't. These were results you'd been waiting months for and I had them. I continued. Your child's test results are positive for this rare disease. I paused. I could hear you crying and you couldn't see my face, which I was thankful for because I too started crying. I felt your pain and so badly wanted to relieve it. Although I knew at this moment, anything I said wouldn't be heard. My first words were continually repeating through your head. The test result was positive. Our conversation was short and there wasn't much more to say at this moment. But the little that was said, you'll never forget. Later that month, we met in person to discuss the diagnosis further. You had time to process, Google, and come prepared with questions. As we started talking, each time I discussed another symptom, you would look at your child. I'll never forget your child coloring on the exam table too young to understand our conversation. I could feel your sadness, pain, and guilt every time you glanced at your child. After we finished talking, you took your child's hand and walked towards the exit. This was the first diagnosis I gave in a moment I will never forget. I went home and carefully replayed the whole conversation in my head and I always wonder if you did too. Some days I still think about you and your child. I wonder if I said the right words. What could I have said differently? What would have made receiving this news easier for you? It's not just the first diagnosis I won't forget and ponder over often though. It's every diagnosis I give. I'm Abby, a pediatric genetic counselor. I entered this profession for many reasons, but an important one was to change the diagnosis stories for families. I've been part of the lives of rare disease patients since high school, and many families share their diagnosis story with me. When talking to parents, one of the things I quickly learned was the common theme throughout diagnoses of negativity. Most of the time when parents received a diagnosis, they were told all of the negatives. Your child won't walk, won't talk, won't hit milestones. But children often prove these negatives wrong. They walked, they found ways to communicate and live joyous lives. I won't say it's always easy or there aren't tremendous challenges, but parents recognized the information given at diagnosis was not an accurate depiction of their child's future. These parents never forgot the negative portrayal of their child's future, despite their child breaking those negatives and breaking those stereotypes. Those words still stuck in their mind. So yes, words do matter. All of our words matter. And I want my words to be remembered in a positive light. I want to support, validate your feelings. And I want you to feel heard when you come into the genetic clinic. I want you to know that I'm committing to being part of your journey. When you leave our first appointment, I often think about you later that day in the coming weeks and months as we wait for test results. Once I get those results, I search for the most updated information, resources, and anything that will help you through this new journey. I then carefully craft each sentence I'll say when delivering the news. I often think, if I was receiving this diagnosis, how would I want to be told? I know the moment you receive the news, your life will forever be changed, and you'll never forget those words in that moment, and neither will I. I
0: hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear,